Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by Kevin and Ian from the Landon New Homes Network. Kevin, Ian, talk to me about conflicts of interest in new home sites with estate agents. Talk to me. Conflict of interest, right, this is a bit of a topical uh, subject for me at the moment. So I'm going to give you two recent examples um, of some deals. And actually, when I sort of sat there at the weekend thinking about this, I thought, actually, this is more regular than I'd care to sort of uh, think, really. So um, last week, I was down in Cornwall. I went to see two landowners. Um, first site I went to, um, really nice family, three um, brothers and sisters, inherited the property from the mum and dad and they've been terribly let down over two years of abortive negotiation with a big commercial um, organisation that was um, trying to buy their piece of land. And they'd fully instructed the agent, and it was a well-known, very well-known uh, high-end firm, supposedly, and they've agreed a deal at £875,000, um, and the deal was agreed two years ago, supposedly on an unconditional basis. Two years later, still not exchange contracts, so the vendors, under our guidance, pulled out of that sale. So I said to the vendor, well, why have you not exchanged contracts? This is very weird. I'm trying to like sort of get the diagnosis of what, you know, what's gone wrong here. And long story short, they said, look, you know, the agent we work with never heard from them. Uh, we think the agent was acting more for the buyer than they were acting for us. Um, and we've been strung along. So... I could tell that straight away, it was pretty obvious. Uh, two years, unconditional purchase. You know, two years, you'd normally be into a subject to planning type of deal rather than, than that. So um, it would have been quite fair and reasonable for this family to have you know, agreed to sell on an uncommon basis and had a fairly swift exchange of contracts with a delayed completion or whatever. Now, had that happened, they could have then uh, gone for the, um, the, the buyer on the basis of failing to complete. Obviously, the interest charges would have had Eight, 87 and a half grand's worth of uh, deposit back in their pocket and as it is they've ended up with zero. Okay. Now um, that's that's one in several. I went to another one, uh, a five million pounds deal. Um, the agent who is charging the vendor a three percent fee is also acting for the same buyer on two other large sites in the same vicinity. So here he's supposedly acting for the vendor and in the other two, he's acting for the same buyer that wants to buy hers. She's got no other offer on the table, and she's, they're, they're, they're pushing hard for a £5 million um, terms agreed, clearly with different agendas. So, you know, would you sit there and say that those agents are conflicted? I, I say they would, um, unquestionably. So our approach to that is very clear. You know, we're acting for whoever our client is on the day, um, whether that's the acquirer or the seller, and if we're acting for the seller, uh, as we say to all of our team, we want the sellers to be represented as if it was, you know, somebody looking after our grandparents' interests or whatever. But it's a, um, it's a thing we see quite a lot, Chris. Really, where people under or hear the words of oh, an acquisition fee or disposal fee around around land, we often get asked the question. So, oh, well, can I can I get can I get both then? And uh, we often say, well, you can't be poacher and gamekeeper. You know, you're. Which, which camp are you in? And you have to then make sure that you stick to that camp rather than... And your advice But I think, there's a, I think there's a piece there, isn't there, Ian, that for some, for some agents, 
and in these particular ones I can only assume that it was probably flattering or there was a potential much bigger fee potential way beyond the supposed instruction. Do you think it's a conflict? Place. Okay, so you, your, your opinion is get a fee from the seller for selling the land. You're saying that it's a conflict of interest to get an acquisition fee from the buyer. Is it a conflict of interest if you don't have an acquisition fee of the buyer, but you sign an agreement that you'll sell the land, the new, ho the land, the new homes afterwards? So, no, I wouldn't say that's a conflict. I think it's all about how you're positioning what you're offering is to the vendor. So in relative terms, it's, it's industry accepted that if, you, um, if you're selling a piece of land, it is likely that the developer will, will re-instruct you. Now, there is no God-given right that that's definitely going to happen. So the buyer would be well within its rights if we're acting for the seller to turn around and say, well, hold on, um, we don't want to use your services, or actually, no, it's not. Well, that, should, that will never set the precedent for whether the deal gets done or not. Our interest is in the basis of our instruction with the seller. Are we achieving what the, the brief was in our remit and scope? So what you're saying is, Sign an agreement with the vendor so you, there's no conflict of interest. Uh, you think it is a conflict of interest if you then look for an acquisition fee off the buyer and also the builder, in essence, and also it would be unfair to sign an agreement on um, any you know subsequent new home sales. And that's just almost a gentleman's agreement that you introduced to me to me so you can get it. But you're not. But as soon as you sign a piece of land saying a piece of paper saying I'm, I want the, the, the new home site, that's you want. Yeah, it is a conflict of interest, isn't it? Um, or would you, or is, is it? No, or is that? No, it's a I conflict. Th I think the conflict is on the buying, is the on the acquisition fee, and and the selling fee. That's the, where the conflict the, is. The conflict of interest is who is your client that you're acting for? Okay, so go back to the two that I've mentioned. In that instance, that agent was acting on a, under an agreement for the seller, but the behaviours within the period of that marketing were not in the spirit of what the job was that they were briefed on because they weren't acting in the vendor's best interest. Had they been, they would have told the vendor to withdraw from the transaction way before now um, and would certainly have been pushing the buyer for an exchange of contracts. That, in simple terms, was... Um, so you can know, you can you look at the deal in two separate elements? One is actually getting the bloody land sold. The second one is then actually, right, once you've got the land, we need to come to some agreement. You can sign a contract on both, but 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 it's certainly crossing the line when you expect an acquisition fee off the buyer to buy you the can't land. Take you can't fees. take two fees. You can't yeah. take two fees on an introduction. For the sale of the land. For the sale of yeah. the Forget land. the ones that have yeah, down yeah, the road. Yeah. As far as the resales down the road are concerned, that again is a very transparent uh, disclosure at the point of doing a deal to say to a vendor, look, these developers are likely to want to engage with us for the future resales, is that a problem? Most vendors will say, unless it's going to get in the way of the price that they achieve, no, it doesn't. There you go. We've answered, we've answered, we've, uh, excellent. Thank you for your time today.